I'm Ella Mills, the founder of Deliciously Ella, and this is our podcast, Delicious Ways to Feel Better. Each episode explores various aspects of our mental and our physical health to help you make small, simple changes to your life to feel both happier and healthier. And today we have an extra special episode. It is our first ever live recording, and this is live from a beautiful room within the Royal Albert Hall in London to celebrate our 10-year anniversary, 10 years since I founded the company and started writing the recipe website, www.deliciouslyella.com. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a very candid, very honest interview about the last 10 years with myself and Matthew, my husband and our CEO about what's gone wrong and very much also what's gone right. Um, It's hosted by the absolutely brilliant Laura Jackson. And thank you so much for listening. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for coming this evening. This is actually our first live event in, it must be about three and a half years now. So yes, a bit nerve wracking. Um, (laughs) I was worried no one was going to (laughs) come an hour ago. So it's really nice to see it's so full and really, really special occasion, as well as being our first live event in um, quite some time. It is also in honour of the fact that in two weeks time, Delicious Ciela as a brand will celebrate its 10th anniversary. And I'm really pleased to say that we are joined tonight by Laura Jackson, uh, (laughs) a brilliant founder, broadcaster and author from presenting on the BBC, ITV and Channel 5 to running her own company, Glassette, recently dubbed the net supporter of interiors and raising two small children, all among a host of other extraordinary accomplishments. Laura also knows what it's like to juggle one billion million things at one time, and we are honoured to have her here. Oh, thanks. Well, I'm so happy that I am your host. I can't wait to talk to you about the past 10 years and about your kind of dynamic duo as now the Deliciously Ella brand. I mean, first of all, can you believe it's been 10 years since you wrote your first recipe? No, honestly, it feels like one of those things that the last decade has moved so fast. I mean, I look back, we were actually filming a little video yesterday as part of this 10-year celebration, and we were talking about these old pictures of ourselves. I mean, we have, (laughs) let's be honest, we've aged quite a lot in the last 10 years, because just so much has happened we look like such babies and you know we were in so many ways I I was doing to the cellar for three years before we started doing it together and at that point there was no aim to be here today there was no kind of true ambition also at that point as well what we're doing now which is about health and well-being and plant-based food was so niche so strange the very first recipe and it's almost embarrassing to admit what it was, was for roasted sweet potatoes, which now... (laughs) What were the instructions? It was revolutionary. Um, Top potato put in oven. (laughs) With paprika and cinnamon. Okay, fine, I'll give you that. Mm. But I think that was so, so kind of wild about it was, okay, that was like extra basic, but... You know, at that point, and then there was the sweet potato brownies, which was one of the kind of recipes that really actually made the brand go kind of semi-viral. But it was, at this point, no one was cooking this way. No one was having these conversations. Even saying to people, and incredibly intelligent people around me saying, you know, what we eat can really change our health seemed weird, quite far out. Mm. Certainly received our fair share of criticism for that opinion. Whereas now, 
It's so mainstream. Plant-based absolutely everywhere. I think it's almost 50% of households are buying into it. So it's a kind of extraordinary change, I think, both personally and professionally. So it feels like it's been forever and ever and ever. And yet it's been such a whirlwind. Ten years ago, we didn't even know each other existed. Now we've got company, two children. So yeah, mad. How can you summarise the evolution of the brand in 10 years, if you can? Like you were saying, you know, it kind of started in your bedroom and now you're celebrating your 10th year. You've got products and Adele and so many other amazing things. How, how could you kind of summarise the last 10 years? What do you think? I think that first and foremost, we've always been a plant-based food and wellness company. And I think it's just the things that we've done underneath that that have changed. So having a restaurant, having food products, having our app, that's what's changed. But I think the actual foundations of what Delicious Lella always has been is what's, is what's carried us through. I mean, did you have any clear goals at the beginning, Ella, when you started? Did you think, God, I'd just love to have a deli or I'd love to kind of make my own products? Yeah. Did you have those thoughts? No, I just really didn't want people to think I was weird. That was, re- that was really fundamentally what I wanted to achieve because it felt so niche, it felt so strange. And I really wanted to get people on board with eating this way, cooking in this way, feeling like this was actually a really exciting and brilliant way to live your life and could potentially have transformative effects on your health, your well-being. I really wanted it to be something, you know, I was in such a desperate place when I started Delicious Ciel. I was so ill, but I was also really depressed. I was so isolated. I was so lost. I was so confused. And discovering what felt at this point, like this whole new world of well-being, truly changed my life, but it didn't feel accessible. It didn't seem available. And I felt that this would be beneficial for so many other people. And I wanted to kind of untap it and unlock it and say, you know what, we could make really, really simple things that could genuinely change the way you feel. Like, why aren't we all doing this? And in that sense, you're absolutely right. Like, it's the same today as it was then, as I really wanted to change the preconceptions around this type of food. Mm. I mean, wellness and health has been on a real journey over the past 10 years. And I feel like you've transcended all of those trends. How have you stayed relevant? I think that we've stayed relevant because we haven't lent too far into a kind of what felt like a hot trend. I think that we really believe that plant-based food is important and that it is the future. And that in 20 years, in 30 years, probably sooner than that, it will be really unusual not to have a fully plant-based diet, at least a heavily, heavily plant-rich diet. And so I think that what we've tried to do is stay away from things that we felt like they were just going to be too hot or they were something too of the moment. And we've just tried to do something... Like what? Well, I think you you see it in all the books that can come out in January where they're promising a diet that might help you lose loads of weight really quickly or suddenly give you instant happiness or something like that. And it just doesn't... I want that book. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that all of these um, things that offer easy answers can be incredibly seductive but I don't think they're credible I don't think that they're really serious I think that what we've really really tried to focus in on and it's something that we we really think about in in detail every day is doing stuff that we don't think is just going to be something that just comes and goes we want this to be something that can last and the only way that you can do that is if you're doing something that is actually long-term credible and I think also beyond that I guess it's probably both of our personalities as well as being quite genuine with what we do i'll never forget this is the most amazing trade show in the u.s every year called expo west and walking around it together looking at the most extraordinary array of new products and it's so innovative it's so exciting but it's also so ridiculous because it's taking every single trend and like putting it in steroids so you had like probiotic ketogenic pop tarts like really because <laughs> i'm pretty sure if you put your probiotics in the toaster 
you've got no live bacteria. And a deep fat fryer, yeah. (laughs) And so I think that we've always felt, I guess because the brand's always been really rooted in like a very true story, I think we've both felt quite a personal responsibility to be really genuine with it and never put our name to something that's like, yeah, just of the moment in that sense. But I also think probably staying relevant's been because we've evolved a lot. I do think, even though we had this amazing opportunity when the first book came out, in 2015 and that was the kind of moment the brand really launched I think if we just kept writing cookbooks I don't think we'd be here having these conversations today I think that we probably kept a more interesting story by keeping evolving yeah I mean we talked earlier about as a business being as nimble as possible I mean how do you do that yeah I think when you're starting I think action definitely beats strategy I think you just need to start you know I think if you go into a supermarket and you look at the shelves it'd be difficult to really spot something that just doesn't exist and so I think that you have to have the boldness just to start and I think that with that you learn and you get better and you really really understand in detail what kind of consumer need you're really trying to solve with what you do and I think that that as a business as we've grown that is the thing that we we know now now so much more than we did when we started and I think that there's a benefit to being kind of a buzzword of nimble or 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 agile I think that what that really comes down to is not letting ego get in the way of something that you've done wrong (laughs) and so not doubling down on something where it's not going well and insisting that that's right I think it's having the the courage to accept that if something's wrong you want to get out of it but equally when you have huge confidence that it's the Netflix story of 99% of their sales were coming from, I think, from videos or from DVDs, sorry. But they took their business completely online because the founders and the senior team there really believed that that was the future and you see what's happened to Netflix. And I think it's also that that boldness of judgment that you have when you're so intricately involved in all of the small details of what you see that you're able to make those big decisions. Ella, when, just before you met Matt, because you'd obviously started the business three years before you, you guys met, how was the business then and how kind of did you start the brand from the recipe site? We talked earlier, you had an app. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I always think it's like a really careful balance. I know you want to come across as overly self-deprecating, but equally, my God, none of this would have been here today, even a teeny tiny bit if we weren't doing it together. I mean, he's led the business as it is today a thousand percent and I think up until we started working together it was all quite reactionary so I had started the website and then people started reading it somehow and then they'd say oh can you do this recipe can you do this recipe oh could you do cooking classes like oh it'd be really nice to meet more like-minded people would you do get together so I started doing supper clubs and so in that sense it was all really led on what people were asking for and a few people said oh would you ever put it into an app I did an app. And so it didn't have a strategy at all. It was really exciting and it was really fun, but it wasn't particularly strategic. And it was also quite niche, but it was when the first book came out and it kind of really snowballed that I was actually really, really overwhelmed by it. I mean, it was incredible and obviously, you know, so grateful for the opportunity, but equally I was 23, 24, I had just come out of a really difficult period of my life. I had no idea what I was doing, truly no idea. And I felt so kind of crippled with anxiety with it because I felt really vulnerable. Like people thought you had the answers to things that I did not have the answer to. You know, suddenly like, she's the guru. I'm not a guru. (laughs) Um, And yeah, you know, the queen of this. And it was a very overwhelming 
moment actually and it was really your kind of braveness and boldness to say okay well let's completely change the way you're doing it then let's do it together and instead of waiting on other people and reacting to everyone let's create our own business let's put ourselves in the driving seat and that was that was what really changed everything I think Ella's incredibly humble in this but you know I think as a 23 year old to suddenly be cast into a spotlight and be on front page of newspapers is a really difficult thing for anyone to go through and and it happened very very quickly but it equally happened at an amazing time in my life where I was doing a job that I really did not enjoy and I was desperate to leave. And But I had gained some skills that I thought I'd be able to transfer um, into what we were doing. I, I was working in finance. And so it also happened at just the most amazing time in our lives for each other as well, both in meeting each other, because I think that we were incredible stabilizing forces just for each other immediately as people. But then that evolved professionally very, very quickly. I mean, you reached out to Ella via her dad because you <laughs> saw an article on her. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> I, did, I mean, what did you really think when you received that email, Ella? <laughs> Who is this guy? What does he want? I know, honestly. I was in a meeting because all of this was exploding and it was, you know, was opportunities left, right and centre and I was quite kind of deer in headlights. Because this is the time, so your book had come out. And yeah. That's, yeah. It was about a month later and it was number one in, on Amazon across all categories. It had been the fastest selling debut cookbook ever. It's suddenly been in like every media outlet. And so I was in a meeting with my literary agent at that point, amazing woman, still worked her, trusted with my life. And I was really trying to focus on everything she was saying. And just, my phone just kept beeping. It was my dad and at this point my dad and I weren't that close and so I was quite surprised to be getting a lot of messages from him <laughs> he had gone on Google taken pictures of Matt <laughs> and was sending them to me I had also just broken up with a boyfriend about four and a half years and so I like really wasn't looking for anything and he was just saying like this is the most charming man you'll meet in your whole life <laughs> you're going to love him so much he also wasn't trying to take me on a date so it's also a bit awkward cause yeah. my he dad... just wants to make you into a massive business yeah. like, have you ever had a message like that on Tinder hi do you want to make a brand yeah. <laughs> exactly so um, anyway he was right because we met three times for work and then went on three dates in the course of a week and but then we did moved you drink in wine on any of those meetings no, no we didn't okay. I did offer you a glass of wine on our third time that we met and I stood you up on the second time and she stood me up on the second time sure okay so this is going well yeah Yeah. I mean you talked about the first book was massive I'm sure we all remember that book coming out and with all of the good press unfortunately in the UK we just love to kind of crush the people that are doing really well Um, so when you get good press you get the bad press because we find it very hard in this country to celebrate people I don't really know why how did you find that time when the press weren't being that kind yeah it was I had kind of two really good years it was it was overwhelming but it was good yeah and then it all changed quite suddenly we had a really bad year in 2017 and I have to say that was it was rough looking back at it I remember there was one day there was one article that someone wrote comparing me to Donald Trump when I was like oh come wow. on <laughs> like feel free not to that name bad. that journalist by the way um I can't be that bad no offense but um no, no that's okay you are <laughs> definitely not definitely not Donald Trump yeah and that got really personal as well and I've always felt so strongly like I totally appreciate there's an element like I have put myself out there And I think even though I didn't really know I was doing that and what I was doing when I did it, I kept doing it. Like, absolutely, I could have quit at any point to some extent. And I kept doing that. So I think, you know, you've absolutely got to take responsibility for that. But I've always felt so strongly. I don't mind anyone who has 
professional criticism of me or our brand or what we do I think that's more than fair enough and that's a great conversation to have but some of it then started to get really really personal Mm. and there was a big attack on kind of any woman I have to say it was only women who were working within the health and well-being space you didn't see it for any of the very very successful men that work in this space as well Mm -hmm. and it was really kind of quite nasty vitriol and that was a challenging six months to say the least but equally I think quite good in learning a bit of less attachment i've never ever read an interview i've done back since i just really? don't want to know not even now no oh my gosh <laughs> i can't believe that i'm shocked <laughs> um i mean how important was it at that time to surround yourself with people who really understood you and your brand and what you wanted to do and just supported you yeah i think i mean we've always been so lucky because we've had the most amazing team at delicious Ciela since day one and you was so brilliant in your hiring of everyone because you've always said like i remember on day one saying you know we've got to be the dumbest people in the room we've got to hire people that know what we don't know and like really lean into all our weaknesses all our blind spots and i think having that extraordinary structure internally within the team was kind of has been what's allowed the business to grow and evolve and us to have that strength and and courage to keep going because you create this brilliant network of of trust yeah it was the only time ever as well we talked earlier about kind of fads we were pigeonholed into this thing about ella being this clean of a queen of clean sorry and about clean eating and it was never a term that ella had used Mm. and had associated (laughs) with but it was something that i think because the press were looking to pigeonhole ella into something that was the, the kind of the neatest way of doing it. And it, so it just became this thing that it, it wasn't really. And I think that was the reason ultimately that it blew over and we were able to get through it okay. But it was, it was challenging for us at the time because we were, that was the point when the brand was really growing and we were hiring a team and people had left really stable jobs at great companies to come work for this business that was really just promising them a potential dream of what we could do. It was a really nerve wracking moment, but it was a moment that I think that because we felt like the values that, we were communicating externally to people we believed in so deeply it was something that really carried us through that whereas I feel like if you are focused on a kind of fad type thing it's the kind of thing that can just knock you over. And what's been the biggest challenge would you say that you've faced so far? 2017 was difficult when all of that was happening and we were also kind of semi-victims of our own success because in late 2017 early 2018 we had opened three cafes and we shut two of them. And one of the reasons we had done that was because our products business was doing so well and it was growing so fast. And it just, we didn't have the internal capacity to do lots of things really well at that point. And so our cafe business was was kind of subscale for what it was and it was losing money at the time. But our products business was, was growing so such great guns. And so, again, it was something when, when we shut that down, two of our sites down, it becomes this whole kind of failing business thing that was really latched onto. And People actually, took a lot yeah, of joy in. Yeah, some people can take joy in that. But, but it was actually, we were doing it, it felt from a, from a position of strength. And it was also happening when my mom was passing away. So it was, it was a really crappy time. Yeah. So, I mean, how did you get through those times that were really difficult, just being together? and Yeah, 100%. I always think people always ask what it's like to work together. And I know it's good. Um, <laughs> no, because I think someone asked me about it this week, actually, in a podcast I was doing. And they were saying, surely that pushes you guys to the edge because it's so all-consuming. But actually, I don't think we could have ever done it if we weren't in it together. Because yeah. I think we've got such a... I mean, we literally, 
I wouldn't say we live in each other's pockets at all because we, we are quite separate, but we are like continuously side by side. Mm. I reckon we spend 80% of our time yeah, within we, like... We, we spend a lot of time together. 15 metres of each other. <laughs> yeah. But you're both very different people. I mean, I only met you together to talk about this, but you're both very different brains and very different people. So coming together, I think, is really quite powerful. What are your personality types within the business? <laughs> That's a great question. We actually had a big team day today and we had some called Discovery Insights where they put you into kind of different colours and you start to understand your personality type. And I think that sometimes I have a different personality type in the business from what I am personally, because I feel like that's what the business needs at this time. And I think Ella's kind of the opposite personality type in that way. And I think that it's a good combination for us in a business. And I think it's a good combination for us as people, because I think we are able to fill in the gaps where each of us are and support each other in the areas that they need it. And I think it's one of the reasons that it's worked so well working together is we do incredibly different things in the business. I think if we were both really focused on the same thing, it would be really, really tricky because we would just be invariably having different opinions on stuff. But I think because we have complete trust in each other and we do very, very different things, I think it works to enhance what each other does versus take away. But you're very um, logical and methodical, and I am not. (laughs) (laughs) I like a big picture and uh, kind of excitement and an energy and I do think it works quite well together yeah it works really well uh, so what is the business now like you talked about you've got plants you've yeah. got the product business how like tell us all what the business is right now so we have four different businesses the first part of the business which is the kind of really original part of the business which is kind of exclusively Ella with the support of a couple of really fantastic people in our team but I'm not so much involved as is, is the podcast and Ella's books and then we have three different businesses which I'm the CEO of so we have our food products business that we launched in 2016 and we're now in a lot of distribution here in the UK and we just tomorrow we're launching into the largest retailer in Austria which we're really excited about and then launching to Germany in May and then the US later in the year we then have our restaurant which is the kind of non-scalable part of our business we like having one site where we can hopefully create a really great brand experience for people and and have a home for our brand but we're not looking to open multi-sites and then we have our app which is the other really uh, scalable part of our business so we started a new app in 2019 under a subscription model and it's got 800 recipes and 250 exercise videos and we think it's an absolutely amazing tool for holistic health and we've got massive massive ambition to really really grow that as well so i'd say that they're kind of the two big growth focuses of our products and our app and the, the brand home which needs as much attention is our restaurant and was it a conscious decision to not name all of the different parts of the business deliciously ella yeah i think deliciously ella is is our platform it's where we consolidate everything within plant-based food and kind of holistic wellness that we do but we don't feel like it has to be the absolute kind of must for each thing that we do so all of our products at the moment are branded under delicious yellow we have ambitions to launch a new brand that would have a lot of the same values it'd still be all using natural ingredients all completely plant-based ingredients potentially targeting some different parts within the store and we're really excited we're working on that at the moment our restaurant plants we just felt for a restaurant we thought would be a more kind of aspirational place that you might be able to drag your boyfriend to come if it's called plants versus delicious yeah <laughs> and then um and then our app is called feel better and it, it was called delicious our app was called delicious yellow but we felt as it became this much more kind of holistic tool we we, we felt feel better encompass it better so delicious yellow is our 
is our home, but we're really proud of these other brands and streams that we're developing. What do you think the definition of wellness is and has it changed <laughs> in your opinion? I think, yeah, I think it's been on its own little journey mm-hmm. over the last 10 years, definitely. As we said at the beginning, I think certainly 10 years ago it was quite niche, quite weird. No one was really using the term wellness. No one was really thinking about holistic health as a total outlook, thinking about kind of meditation and mindfulness and looking after our mental health in those sorts of capacities, about sleep, about the connection to sleep and our appetite and et cetera. And then I think we went on this kind of explosion around 2015, 2016, 2017, where healthy food came to the forefront and there was more healthy cookbooks published than anyone could ever have in their kitchen. It felt quite trendy. And I think that's kind of calmed down in some ways and it sort of settled into a rhythm where there is now an acceptance that eating natural, unprocessed food is the future and does absolutely impact our health. But I think that we are slowly starting to collectively piece the pieces of the puzzle together and understand the fact that we should never really look at food in isolation, which I think, A, is kind of a healthier mental approach, but also I think for like our genuine health, we need to look at it in combination with how we look after our mental health through practices like mindfulness and meditation, our sleep and our movement, because ultimately like eating broccoli can only do so much. And I think we've probably put too much pressure on that in the past. I think this is a healthier approach generally to look at it as a total but I also think particularly in the western world we do drastically need to rethink our health strategies the way we're looking at what we eat about what's available to eat for the for the country and and we we do need to start putting natural plant-based food at the absolute forefront of that. As a founder very early in my journey I'm sure there's lots of budding entrepreneurs out there what would you say is the best advice that you could pass on from your 10 years in business? I always ask him for one piece of advice and he always says it's too hard to give this one. (laughs) You can give lots of pieces of advice. I'm making some notes. I have on my iPhone, I have some, I have notes where each day I make a note of something that I may have learned. But I would say um, one is never seek easy answers um, within what you do. I'd say there's a very big difference between being right and being popular. And I think that having a focus on that throughout is really important. And I think that just from a, a lifestyle perspective, I think to grow a company, it is all-encompassing. And I don't think you can read about how to build a company. I think you have to. I think you have to do it. And I think that you have to accept that it will take over your life, and your life will will be so full in so many ways from all of the incredible things that you get to do when you lead a company. But it will equally shrink. And you know, I've really focus in particularly last kind of two years in in this sense of essentialism where I can only do so many things well and I think that I can be a great leader of our business I think I can be a great dad I think I can be a great husband I think I can be a great friend to the people I really really care about but there's there's really not much else that I can do um I'm just kind of full and I I mean that's a lot (laughs) yeah and it is and I think I think having that acceptance that you know I can't be everything to everyone I have to just focus on the stuff that really, really matters. It's, actually, it's been a really empowering thing. It's made me much happier. Yeah, I also yeah. think nothing's ever been quite as bad as we thought. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you go through mm. that cycle where something seems kind of catastrophic and especially at the very early stages and you think, oh my gosh, that could be it. We could be closed tomorrow. 
lights could be off. You know, you do try and find a way to always find a solution, put one foot in front of the other, and we are still here. And I feel like, to me, that's been really testament to it, and I think it's probably lowered the stress levels now when something bad happens. You Mm. think, okay, actually, like, we got through that, we got through that, we got through that. And some of them have been, like, worse than others and funnier than others, but definitely, (laughs) like, in retrospect, you realise if you want to find the solution, nothing ever has to be quite as bad as it seems at Mm. the time. Yeah. What would you say then has been your biggest learning, your biggest lesson? Gosh, that is, that's a great question. I, I learned a really valuable lesson. I said to the team earlier again, actually, when I was 16 and I went to school in America and I was a complete homebody and I was completely kind of fish out of water um, at this school. And after my first semester there where I was really, really struggling, the teacher, my parents came over and we had a parents even The teacher said to my parents, you know, Matthew really needs to internalize the solution. And it was such an empowering thing to tell this kind of fish out of water kid that was, that was there. And for me, what that means is that I don't shift blame. I don't expect other people to fix my stuff. I, I take responsibility for it. And I think that if you're going to start a business, you have to take responsibility. The business is a reflection. It feels like of us. And if there's something wrong in the business, then it is absolutely down to us to fix it. And I think it is that sense of, of personal responsibility throughout everything that we do. We try and take such pride in. We want Deliciously Ella to be something that customers are proud of, our consumers are proud of, our team are proud of. And obviously we're not going to get everything right all of the time, but we, we really care, we really want to. And I think that having that sense of internal empowerment to create the changes that you want to create within yourselves or within to support the people around you has been something that's been really helpful for me and has, it helped me from as a 16-year-old, it's definitely helped me in, in my journey to this Shiela. But has there ever been a point where you have gone, I hold my hands up, guys, this has absolutely not worked. I'm going to take this. Has there been a situation like that? Oh, my gosh, yeah. No, there has. There's been a couple of product launches where we had one product where we were about to launch it and we were at the first production of the product's launch and we sat on the line and we were like doesn't taste quite right and then oh, no. um, we're like maybe it'll taste good in two days time and so we went we tasted in two days time and it still didn't taste good and so we had to pull the launch we've had stuff like that I mean closing two of our cafes was a massive thing I mean going through COVID was was mad even the last you know it's really difficult running a business at the moment with hyperinflation and changing work habits and dislocated supply chains around the place it's it now is difficult but to Ella's point, I don't think anything's ever quite as bad as you think it might be, but it's also never quite as good as you, you think it might be. It typically exists in that grey area. And I think that with through this kind of sandwich that you have throughout time of running a business of, of failure and success, I think within that you have experience and you have humility and you have the knowledge, I hope, to, melt, to, to be able to make much better decisions. Ella, is there anything that's happened on your journey in the business that you've gone, oh, I can't believe this? Oh my God, there's been just so many. (laughs) Like, I think a little bit less now, there's probably more order to the chaos. But in those first few years, there was just so many times. I'll never, ever forget. It was one of the most kind of exciting moments, but also like, what are we doing moments? When we were first launching and it was our very, very first products and they were our energy balls. And I think as I kind of alluded to, I've always been probably a bit more cautious and and nervous and, and you're kind of braver and bolder naturally. And you said, well, if we're going to launch these, the, the place we need to have them is Starbucks. And I was like, 
okay <laughs> but nice idea but like obviously that's not going to happen like why would they take our product and they didn't even exist at this point and you went on LinkedIn and you got the name of the MD and you sent like 20 different variations of the email out hoping one would land and it did and somehow he replied immediately and we got a meeting with him and we were so prepped for this to be terrifying and colleagues of ours had said you know it could be a really daunting experience and they were so nice and we came out of it and they were like yeah we want to list it but we want to list it and it was in about two weeks time or something wasn't we didn't have a product like we didn't have a finished product and we were also going that day to wilderness festival with the cafe and again, we thought this would be quite a small thing. It turned out we did 1.5 tons of avocado toast that first day. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Tons. Like it was, and then people were like, you've run out. Because this was the tipping point when healthy food became cool. No one else in the festival made avocado toast. Yeah. Believe it or not, it's like a mad thought now because it's everywhere. And so there we were. So we were in a field at a festival surrounded by everyone who goes to a festival so they're having a really good time and there we are you're on the phone to like various different factories suppliers being like we've got to get them to starbucks tomorrow <laughs> we've got 1.5 tons of avocado going out the door and people like where's the avocado <laughs> and it was just complete chaos like a bit exciting chaos because it was like oh my god here's our pipe dream and it's taking flight like my god this might work like there really might be something here but, whoa, we're out of our depth. And so it was a kind of brilliant chaos. And I guess we had quite a few of those sorts of moments in those first few years, which was exhilarating, but also exhausting. Matthew, Elliot always says that you are forever the entrepreneur, always thinking about ideas, um, <laughs> a bit crazy with them. So how do you decide what you want to do within the business? And who, who holds you back? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, our team is very entrepreneurial, which which really helps. I think that as we've grown, there's been less need to be thinking of completely wacky things because we now have enough knowledge, enough data, enough understanding of what of what really, really works. But equally, I mean, typically throughout the life of the business, we've started a new business every two years and our restaurant will have its second anniversary in mid-2023. So, And I've already got an itch to start something else um, and a couple of ideas of things I want to do, some which I think are terrible ideas. So, and I've come around to them being terrible ideas. A couple of other things I think might have legs. But we want to be a business that, that can facilitate opportunities for the team to have these new experiences as well of being able to have that kind of startup within also the, the growth side of the business that we have now. And I think our business has also, also got to a size now where when you're first starting, it's just complete chaos, where you get to a certain size where there's enough people doing great things that you can stop the things kind of slightly more outside of the box on these things too. So I think that will, unfortunately for you, I'm afraid, <laughs> that will linger. Talking of chaos, how do you manage being parents to two beautiful girls and run a business together? I mean, honestly, is it stressful? Awesome. <laughs> it's hell um, <laughs> it's amazing but yeah it is it is chaos I mean yeah. our girls are one and a half and, and almost three and um, oh, the worst age I'm sorry they just I was about to say the so best age <laughs> love them but annoying yeah. um yeah so go on how do you manage everything at home the juggle 
I think, again, it's probably accepting, like, you absolutely can't do it all. Like, yeah. we, we really need help. And we've got the most amazing lady, Jenna, who lives with us. She was meant to come for eight weeks. And she'd been with us for about 12 hours. And he said, she can't leave. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have nothing, Janet. She's not leaving the building. <laughs> I was like, we just met her. Sky will be about to be three. Aww. And she's still with us. And, yeah, there's, again, I think it's, like, whether it's at home, whether it's at work. Like, I do think sometimes... I certainly feel this because my name's in the title of of the business Mm. that people give you a lot of credit not trying to be kind of like overly self-deprecating. I don't mean we've done nothing, but equally like, oh my God, it's been a team effort. And I think that is both personally and professionally. And I also feel like as as a woman and as a mum, and I'm sure you feel this too, and I'm sure lots of other people feel this, I do feel like there is this extraordinary pressure to achieve it all, to do it all, to be the kind of perfect mum and have this huge career. And that's that's not plausible, like within a certain bandwidth. Like if you're going to be working seven days a week, you're not going to be able to be with your children seven days mm. a week. Like when Sky was born, which isn't something I would recommend, in retrospect it's one of my worst ideas ever but I was back at work after four weeks and I remember someone saying oh that made me feel like I was doing a bad job when I had a similar age child and I was like no in a way I feel like I wasn't doing my best job it's just an interesting and I do think it's so important to acknowledge that like you you cannot do everything it is impossible Mm -hmm. I, I would love to spend a bit more time with the girls and that's something I hope we can kind of get a better balance of going forwards but. we both have though a kind of it's pretty much a non-negotiable sometimes work will get in the way but every morning we get our girls out of bed and we have breakfast with them and we get them ready and every evening we give them a bath and we put them to bed and it's kind of a non-negotiable in my day that there's nothing more important in work than getting had to have that time with the girls and I think that by having that time and knowing that I'm there in those intimate moments where we can get them out of bed and we can put them in at the end of the night, that makes the rest of work feel worthwhile. I mean, we never used to do that. We used to work really late each night and oftentimes, most of the time, we go back to work after we've put the girls to bed. But having those moments and, and making sure that we have that, those points in our day, I think, keeps us sane. Although Sky, who's the three-year-old now, her favourite game is to pretend that she's going to the office <laughs> because she's been to the office once and when she came, we were having a bake sale. So she thinks all you do when you go to the office is eat cake. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a great job. Best, um, best office ever. So she every day pretends that she's going to the office and she like packs up all her bags. And she, um, and she says, bye, I'm going to the office. And you say, what are you going to do? She says, eat cake. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, there is so much pressure, isn't there? Especially when you live out your life on Instagram and you are really honest that people think that you've got it all and everything's really sussed out. How do you cope with that, with people thinking that you do have it all and you're always happy now? And I think it was a little bit like what we were saying earlier. I feel like I started out sharing like absolutely anything and everything I was doing felt kind of quite intimate and quite personal because it was a small audience. And then I think as the audience grows, you suddenly realise like there's a level of vulnerability there that's quite terrifying. Mm. And you're kind of, yeah, telling people things and people know quite a lot about you, which is, you. I don't know, it was kind of incredible because you have this sense of, allowing people to feel seen and connected and and I think that's a kind of extraordinary experience and privilege but equally it's quite daunting and I remember feeling as well like as the team grew I was like gosh I would say you know I'd say something online perhaps about how you're feeling and then you walk into the office and you're like oh everyone knows this which is quite an it was quite an interesting experience but I think then as as the brand grew and as we had more some more negative experiences I definitely kind of pulled back a bit and felt I needed a bit more 
personal space for want mm. a better word but I also think did I should see Ellen now as a brand like in so many ways when it started I think it was a pseudonym I never intended it to be that wasn't I, I wasn't trying to be kind of very clever in that sense but I do think it was a kind of alter ego in lots of ways and it was kind of trying to create something I was so unhappy and I was trying to change my life and Delicious Yellow became the absolute vehicle for that and it felt I think in in lots of ways those first few years I was inextricably linked to it like mm. who the person was and what a brand was I don't I don't think you could really tell but I feel as well as as we've grown and you know as you came in and then we got kind of bigger and bigger team and 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 the company grew and grew it really started to feel to me almost like quite jarring in the sense that like I am not a delicious yellow anymore like I feel like we both grown up we both kind of had this like evolution and actually that is now a standalone brand and I think the foundations of it the DNA of it are everything that I set in place 10 years ago mm. but I very much feel now like I'm Ella Mills Delicious Yellow is a brand that's representative of everybody here today, everybody who's interested in this space, anyone that wants to be a part of the community. It's almost no more representative of me as it is of them. Um, did you ever think of changing the name? Because like you say, when you have got your name above the door, people just associate you being the brand. Was there ever a discussion to, to change it? Yeah, at the first branding agency we actually ever went and spoke to, they said they're like, Delicious Yellow is a as a brand name. name for food products, <laughs> terrible name. <laughs> like, kind of Don't goes, hold back, guys. Yeah. <laughs> what do you really think? <laughs> um, and so we we kind of flirted with the idea then. But I think we've always had slightly different names. I mean, when we first launched our cafes, they were called the May Deli. And so we've always felt happy to have specific names within the different things that we've done. So our mm. app is called Feel Better. Our restaurant is called Plants. So I think Delicious Ella is our North Star. It's where all of our values are kept. And I think it's part of this entrepreneurial nature of our business is that we feel like sometimes it's better to have different names for the different activities that we do to really kind of more clearly um, delineate them. I mean, but your vulnerability and the fact that you have shared so many things has built this really engaged community. I'm going to have to read this so I don't get it wrong. You've got 3 million followers on social media and 180,000 subscribers on your app. So how do you stay connected to so many people without telling them everything that you're doing all of the time? So up until, well, actually still a little bit after Sky was born, who's our older daughter, I used to still read every single Instagram message every single day. Sometimes at like 5am, I'd stay up really late doing it because I was like, I must reply to everyone. I must help them. I must help them. Then after she was born, and I think like two or three months afterwards, when I realised like how I was trying to go back to work with a four-week-old, and then trying to do all these other things on top, I realised I was mad and I was slightly losing it. I think I needed to kind of take a little step back, which is a shame because actually I used to love reading every single message and really feeling like I knew absolutely everything that anyone in our community was thinking or feeling about what we were doing, what they were liking and also what they were not liking because it's the most amazing thing to learn from. But even still, we're so lucky because it has always had this kind of community element to it. People so clear on feedback and thoughts and actually as a person that's amazing because you can sense the hard work you're putting into something has an element of value but then equally also as a business it's been amazing to be guided by such clear feedback Mm. has being a parent changed the way that you ran the business or your thoughts about the business or how you grew it yeah because I think well before I got pregnant with Sky 
again, it was just literally 24-7, seven days a week. And it, in a way, it was still after she was born. And then we went into lockdown. And I think that for me, I was nine weeks pregnant with May, who's our second daughter, when we went into lockdown. And I feel like I hadn't ha- caught my breath at all since Guy was born. And actually, I think I was really, really burnt out and not in a great place retrospectively. And it was a really important moment to kind of reflect and, and be like, what was I thinking? That six months was such an intense anxiety-provoking experience in many ways. And I look back on it now, actually, I know it was a really, really difficult time in lots of ways. And it was a really difficult time at work, but selfishly on a personal level, it was quite a good check-in point. Mm. Actually, we're trying to have a little bit more perspective. And I think we had really clear and great conversations about that. And I've definitely had a kind of different relationship with work ever since. And I think we've also felt as well, one of us needs to be a bit more available if they're ill, except, and I mean, you're so available for them, but trying to find out, because yeah. before that we were literally both, it felt like on call 24-7, seven days a week, and that just didn't feel feasible anymore with mm-hmm. both of them. Yeah, I think it, it, it clarifies a couple of things on that we want our business to be a really good business. We want it to be something that when our girls grow up, they're really proud of what it is. And I think it's the other thing that's really reinforced to me, just from, from the business standpoint, is we've always wanted, or I've certainly always wanted this business to exist in 100 years' time. That's success for, for me. And I think that having kids, you start to get that kind of lens of longevity of what stuff could look like. And so I think it's, it's definitely clarified that for me too. So this is a big question. What can we expect in the next 10 years? <laughs> Gosh, I think that we'll be doing, I hope, a lot of the same things, at least from the existing business activities that we have. I hope that we continue to do those on much, much larger scale. I really believe that what Ella started when she started writing her her first recipes there, I think it was like many entrepreneurs' journeys where you try and fix a problem for yourself and actually find there's lots of other people who are searching for the same thing in, in searching for this type of food. And I think Ella has, has played such a pivotal role in the growth of of plant-based in uk and i'm so proud of her Mm. for it i hope that in 10 years time we've played an even more important role and i think that we will probably see some kind of divergence in within plant-based as well of stuff that is heavily synthetic and heavily heavily processed and perhaps really not good for you and i hope that we can as a company be the plant-based brand that is usually using really high quality natural ingredients who is genuinely really really good for you i think that we will probably have one or two more businesses as well in ten years time. <laughs> by one or two you mean ten yes. <laughs> ella i was going to say the absolute opposite <laughs> I turned 30 last year and I feel like that was my kind of 20s was building delicious Ciela and it has been such a whirlwind both personally and professionally you know in the last seven years we've met we've got married we've had two kids we've launched four businesses we've written six cookbooks you know there's now going to launch in four countries this year like it's it's been busy and I'm quite want to find a little bit kind of more space to be I think we'd counted that we cancelled 18 holidays in the last seven years and I would love us to be able to find with these new businesses it might be hard (laughs) but I would love us to find a little bit more time and space as well to kind of be and breathe and enjoy it well thank you guys so much honestly you're such good people and I don't think you really realize because you are so good how much you have done for so many people and the fact that you've paved the way for lots of people in this space so a personal thank you and I'm sure everybody else feels the same. <laughs>